Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we start this episode, could you do me a favor? Could you rate and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts? And also, could you subscribe to our YouTube channel? That's at youtube.com slash by the hood. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. Um, just want to say thank you to everyone, everyone for all the support. You know, we get so much support in so many places, it's hard to name it all. But I do want to give a special shout out to all the students from By the Hood University, specifically all of the new members that came through the um, Intro to Precious Metals course. That has taken off and um, done done so tremendous for us. And like, you know, uh, the outpouring has been crazy. And we want to say we definitely appreciate it. Um, if you're watching for the first time, make sure that you subscribe to the uh, channel if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, do me a favor and make sure you subscribe wherever you listen, whether that's Spotify, Apple, Google, or, you know, it could be anywhere. You know, Pocket Cast, my favorite. Um, no plug because they didn't cut the check. But with that being said, though, um, my partner, Crown Corey, is with me. What's up, Corey? You know, every day above ground is a good day, man. And you know how I do complaining yes, ain't gonna make it make it go away. So yeah. I'm good, yeah. man. Yeah, man. Listen, um, and for those again who might be working for the first time, the, our show is dedicated to highlighting brothers and sisters who are doing amazing things in the community in terms of building businesses, doing any sort of like you know, work socially or what have you. And this guest that we have here today is, is very special, just like every guest we have. Um, this young brother right here is doing tremendous work in real estate as an investor and he has specific strategies that he uses that uh, I talked to him about offline and I figured I figured it would be um you know very powerful to share because a lot of times people are looking to get involved in real estate investing but they don't know how to get started or they don't understand the specific strategies that can be used so we're going to dig into that but without further ado I got the brother Q Quincy Williams in the building what's up good brother how are you how's it going man I'm pretty good and yourself Oh man, I can't complain. Ain't nobody listening, man. So, so, so we go. I, I want to definitely get into the, some of the strategies that me and you had talked about, because um, I think that some of the things you did, like, so one of the things we were talking about was subject two, and I told you that I use subject two, and then you told me the way you did it, and I was like, well, I didn't do that. So I thought that was powerful, and I want to get into that. But before we get into that, um, can you tell our audience about your background? Where are you from? Um, what was your upbringing like? So I'm originally from Willingboro, New Jersey. I grew up in uh, Burlington. Uh, my upbringing was just, I mean, I kind of was in like a middle class neighborhood. You know, I played a lot of football. That was kind of how I um, pretty much grew up, just trying to do football. I mean, real estate was never nothing that I saw myself doing. I kind of just fell into it accidentally. Okay. Did you, um? so you went to school in Willingboro. Did you go to college? I went to, yeah, I went to Penn State. I went to Rutgers. I went to, did a few, uh, went to a few JUCOs and community college. Oh, you played, did you play football at Penn State? No, I didn't play football at either of the schools. Okay. Okay. Got you. Got you. All right. So that's what's up. So how did you go from someone um, who, who wanted to play? Well, let me ask you this question. When you went to college, what was your major? What did you plan on doing when you got to college? Criminal justice. I was going to be an attorney. Okay. Right. Okay. So where did the change happen? What what was the change for you that led you from, you know, going down that path to the path you, you know, you're down now? So my my sophomore year of college, um, my wife and I, we started a we started our own separate shoe businesses. 
And what happened was it kind of started like kind of like an accident. Like it was uh, my wife wanted to wear these new shoes. They were Roche runs. And um, she wanted to order these uh, custom shoes. And when she ordered them, they were like extremely defective. They were messed up. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to order it again. I think she ordered it like three or four times and they all came back messed up. And she was like, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, try to do it myself. So she did it. She customized her own shoes. And I was like, yo, like if everybody on this Internet is making, you know, shoes that are garbage, why don't we just try to do it our own? Because yours look better than the ones that you ordered. So long story short, she told me how to do it. We both went on Etsy and we both, well, I was on eBay and she was on Etsy. And then we both ended up being on um, eBay and Etsy. And we just started wow. making money with shoes. Now we ended up pulling in six figures just by making shoes. Wow. And it was just kind of like a, um, kind of like a light bulb went off because it was just like, I never, like I mean, like I said, I was playing football. So like, I was just like, you know, I'm trying to go to the NFL. Like, you know, I never saw myself as like a custom shoe designer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then, like once I started making the money, it's just like, it made me realize a few things. Like I was like, you know what? If I can make money doing this, then like, why would I even need to go to college? Why would I want to be an attorney? I'm pulling in more money than a lot of attorneys just by making shoes. So that was kind of where I guess the, the switch happened is where we started making shoes because then eventually we quit our jobs. Like I was delivering pizza and my wife was working in a uh, Starbucks. So like we quit our jobs and then we were, you know, visiting different countries. We went to um, Mexico, Turks and Caicos. Like we were going all around the world. And I heard grandmother one day just kind of pulled us to the side and was like, listen, you guys got to either go back to college or get real jobs because like, this isn't going to last long. You know what I mean? Like you guys can't just be, you know, going, you know, because we dropped out, we ended up dropping out of college too. So okay. he was just like, you're dropping out of college. You're, you know, you, you quit your jobs and everything. Like, how are you guys going to, what's going to happen if nobody wants to buy your shoes? So that was a legitimate concern for us. So I was like, you know what, let's, let's jump into real estate. Because when we were staying in a bunch of different countries, we were staying in Airbnbs and we saw how much money people were making with Airbnb. So I was like, you know what, let's jump into Airbnb. So that's when we ended up buying our first property in Airbnb. Okay. So how, how did that first property, um, how'd that work for you? How'd that work out for you? What were some of the struggles or, or, you know, were there any struggles in terms of getting it up and ready for Airbnb? So the struggles were, I mean, it took us nine months to buy a house. You know what I mean? And the reason why it took that long was because we were trying to, like, we were only doing shoes. You know what I mean? So it's hard to convince a bank to lend you money when your only source of income is from a shoe business. Mm -hmm. So one of the problems that we faced early was I was new to the whole taxing. You know what I mean? Like I, we came from employee background. So taxes were taken out. You know what I mean? So like once you get into being self-employed, it's a lot. It's a different ball game. So we got in a we got a, um, a CPA and they were going over our finances and he was just like, oh, you know, you can write this off, write this off. We wrote off so much money so that we didn't have to pay any taxes. But then it kind of bit us. Because yeah. the mortgage, they were like, "Listen, it said you only made twenty thousand. And I'm like, "Excellent oh. point, excellent point." Because I've seen that happen several times. That's an excellent point. Um, you know, and you you understand why someone would do it, but then when you're looking to borrow, you know, so you have to figure out strategies around that. But go ahead, though. So what we did was, uh, I think combined, we made like twenty thousand dollars. So <laughs> we were just like, you know, I went to the loan officer and I was like, no, like, listen, like, look at my bank statements. Like, it's a little bit, you know, it's a lot higher than she was just like, no, you know, come back next year. You need to make at least 60,000 like net, like after taxes. 
I was just like, all right, whatever. So we went home and we started like we opened up more shops. Like we did like a big we were on Big Cartel, Poshmark, eBay, Etsy, and we um, expanded our um, we expanded what we were doing. So like we only had like two designs at the time. Then we ended up having like fifty to sixty designs. So when we did that it kind of just took off for us. And after that year was over, that's when we netted six figures making um, shoes. So okay. then we came back the next year to the same lady and was like, all right, listen, you know, this is what we made, this is what we net. Now, mind you, we ended up paying like 30, I think it was like $30,000 in taxes. And I mean, th that's why we don't do it no more. You know what I mean? Because like, I, I realized after speaking to my accountant, he was like, listen, real estate's where it is because we were getting between like there's something called a um a FICA tax mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't realize that like you pay FICA taxes when you have a nine to five but you only pay like seven point something percent and your job pays the other seven point something percent but when you're self-employed you're the you're the owner and the employee so it's 14 yeah. percent so you make a hundred grand fourteen thousand is just your FICA tax that's not mm -hmm. even just your income it's just your FICA tax so I didn't realize how, you know, how much money we'd be spending in taxes. So that was another reason why I was like, you know what, we need to get out of this because I mean, we got the house, but damn, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's like, a tough, get, right. Right. especially when you feel like, yo, I ain't getting nothing for it. Like, that's how I feel. I'm not saying you don't, um, for people come at me about like, you know, taxes, but that's a, that's a, that's a man cutting that check had to, had to hurt. It was, yeah, it was, it was brutal. And I was just like, yo, like I told my attorney, like, I mean, I told my accountant, I'm like, yo, like, we're not having fun no more. Like, at that point, like, I felt like I was just working for the man. Like, that was a lot. And I was like, yo, like, they do payment plan. We had to get on payment plans and all of that. But like, I was like, yo, like, I'm switching to real estate because like, when you're, when you do real estate, there is no FICA tax. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So if you make six figures doing shoes versus six figures with passive real estate income, you can save fourteen thousand dollars if you made a hundred thousand. You could save fourteen thousand dollars. You saved yourself fifteen percent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean that's one of the reasons why. And shout out to our sister Courtney, um, you know, who, who's an attorney. She always says that the tax code is the cheat code because it tells you what businesses to be in, and real estate is one of those businesses because it gives you so many advantages. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. That that transition, I know it was tough to cut that check and all that, but you actually did build a profitable business, which is amazing. Let me ask you this: in terms of e-commerce, what which one of those sites was your best performing site? Since you were you know all over, which was the what was the best one you would say? Etsy, hands down. Hands down. Okay, yeah. that's why they in the uh they they made it into the S and P. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like right, uh, and to your point, Core, when I saw them make into the S and P, and I guess it's just my perspective of what Etsy is. Like Etsy is a place where like, you know, um, people that do like arts and crafts sell their stuff in my head. But then when you look at their books, you're like, holy smokes, yeah. they're making, you know, billions of dollars. Like, so it's interesting to hear you say that Etsy was by far um, where you where you had the most success. You know, okay. it's funny. We um we almost we had our Etsy accounts shut down and it, it almost ruined us buying our Airbnb. Because, um, so I didn't know at the time that like we were in college, I didn't know that you can't use your student refund checks to close on the house because they consider it borrowed money. So, you know, we had to, when we were doing, we were under contract, we were under contract and we were using our, um, we were still doing our shoes. 
So I what we did was when when the loan officer told us that we can't use our student loans, I'm like, yo, like that's all the money we have to buy and close on the house. So I was like, the hell with this, let's buy. I'm gonna just create I created an account and I just bought, I think our closing costs and everything came up to like thirteen thousand dollars. Like down payment and closing costs was like thirteen grand. I bought thirteen grand worth of shoes on my wife's page. So when it came on her bank statements, it made it seem like we made thirteen thousand dollars. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a um, that's against one of Etsy's policies. They called it a shilling or something like that. Mm -hmm. So they shut both of our accounts down for that. And it was like we had to close within like three weeks or something like that. And the lenders would have figured out that we don't have any more income coming in because we had to give them like the last month worth of revenue. And if we're shut down, we're not showing any yeah. money. So my wife and I, we you know, we drove up to Etsy's headquarters in Brooklyn, and I was just like, "Yo, look, like y'all can't even. You know I mean, don't do this to us like that." Like, because I was, I was sending them emails. They didn't have a phone number at the time, and they weren't answering emails. They weren't answering nothing. And I'm like, "Yo, like I'm supposed, to, I'm trying, I'm trying to close on a house, and y'all shut us down." So mm -hmm. we drove up there, sat at the security desk. I was trying to speak to an administrator. They had us fill out this form, and um. The dude at the security desk was like, listen, anybody who came up here and filled out this form, I never saw them again. So, you know what I mean? Fill this form out and we'll see what happens. And he was right. Once we filled that form out, before we even got back home, we got we both got an email that said our Etsy accounts were reinstated. Man, all right. So a couple lessons in there, right? Yeah. Um, the first lesson is being willing to take action, drive up there, um, and do what it takes to get the job done. That's that's one thing. The second thing I would say that I'm taking from this, right, and, and I always do this because one of the hacks about like having a podcast like this is um, you learn yourself, right? So I'm asking you about your business, but I, I take something from every one of our guests that we have on here. Um, but it's about owning your platform too, right? Now you, now, you said you've moved out of that business, but think about this for people that have huge followings, whether that's on Instagram, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Facebook someone could shut that down and then you lose your complete funnel to all of your uh, customers, your audience. So for the folks out there that have a business, make sure you're collecting data on your customers. It's something that we're working on now, even with our merch, we sell a lot of merch, but because we're using a third party platform, um, it kind of blocks us from doing that. So something we're yeah. working on too. Um, but, but your story is the reason why, right? Etsy shuts you down. You have a six figure business, but now you no longer have a six. That's crazy. That's what, so, and that's what I, I'm I think sending them an email. I'm sorry, I was sending them emails because I'm like, yo, like we've been at this point, we've been making money with them for like three years, and I'm like, y'all gonna shut down? Like y'all gonna throw away a, two six figure accounts? And then on top of that, it's like we never had a job in those three years, so it's like, yo, how are we gonna pay our rent? You know I mean, how are we gonna pay the bills? Like it Scary. really hit home after that, and I was like, yo, like, I can't, I can't stay, like I can't do business like that anymore. Felt like you yeah, had something you hanging over your head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they had too much control of your business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's when people to realize that, like, with, with all these different like um platforms that you know we're all doing business in, just to be just to be cautious and careful with that. So, with that being said, now you own the one property, right? So you have the Airbnb. So what was it like getting that actually set up and rented out? Like, what was that process like, or what was you know how difficult was it? Mm -hmm. It was fun. I mean, once we got, we had gotten an FHA loan with it. So we were telling them that this was going to be our business. And we went the FHA route so that we can only put down three and a half percent. So we um, we got in there and we lived in there for about a year. And we kind of used that year to fix up the property because it was like the property was just kind of like old. So like we were doing a lot of renovations and everything 
and then we just started decorating and everything so like getting it up and ready was just fun and because we were already we've already been like airbnb guests so like i already knew exactly like what the issues and everything were oh that's the other thing we weren't um while while we took that year to fix the property up i didn't know because we didn't know anything about hospitality i went and worked at the great wolf lodge as security which was a resort and then my wife worked at the um paradise stream the the um the yeah. uh resort that you went to a few times i'm, so, I'm familiar with that you <laughs> <laughs> were there so we wanted to just gain a, a bunch of experience because like i knew that like I mean, it's we've we've done customer service before, like, but I mean, we yeah, we've done customer service because of our shoes, but hospitality is a different animal. So mm. I, when we started working in the hospitality industry, I started realizing what the most common issues were, what the most common solutions were, and it was kind of like cheating because I felt like I was stealing information from the resort because everything that I learned in that resort, I turned around and turned it in, and, and used it in my Airbnb. As you were, as you were supposed to. That's exactly Listen, what that's you're supposed to do with a job. That's exactly what your job is supposed to do. It's supposed to help you build your business because you're not supposed to work for them for the next 50 years and let them build their business off of you and then you don't get nothing from it. Right. You did exactly what you're yeah. supposed to do. So you 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 hit the, the hack on the head. You did it exactly the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah, right. I mean, that's a hack. That that's that's definitely a hack. When you look at like, I mean, you look at any industry, right? Whether whether it's like the tech industry. If you look at how many people that came from working from PayPal that now run huge businesses, I mean, I mean, even Elon Musk himself, right? He's just one. Um, there's so many of them. That like the the number of executives that, and I'm that's just one example. This goes all the way back to um, looking at people that worked for J.P. Morgan that became their own bankers. Like that. That's how it's supposed to work. Like Corey said, but it's also a nice little hack in that, right? You go there and you do that and you figure out what you want to apply to your business. That's actually pretty smart. Like, so you did that with intent. That was your idea. You said, let me go figure this out. Is that what happened? Like you yeah, really thought exactly about that? Happened. Yeah. And the thing, yeah. So because I was just kind of nervous, like, I, I mean, I read a lot of books and I always heard that like, you know, failure stalks unprepared people. So like, I always felt like, you know, if I'm going to get into something, I don't want to get into it, you know, ignorantly. So I told my wife, you know, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to get in and start, you know, learning how to, you know, essentially run a hotel because that's what we're running. Yeah, oh, that's man. that's powerful, man. couple things real quick. One thing I just want to tell you guys real quick. Um, I'm looking at like the uh, startups by former pay, uh, PayPal employees, LinkedIn, which was started by Reed Hoffman, YouTube, which was started by Chad Hurley, Steve Chen. They all um, came from PayPal. A website Yammer, which was big at one time, Yelp, Kiva, SpaceX, and that's just a couple. There's a whole long list, and he, all these people worked at PayPal at the same time. So PayPal had all the talent. That's yeah. insane. Um, and, and so uh, what I wanted to ask you is, what did you tell your wife to get help or get involved? So wait, what do you mean? So you said, you know, it was kind of a hassle to get her involved when you first was trying to get it, you know, when y'all was... Uh, you know, looking to work at whatever places y'all were working at so y'all can learn how to do the hospitality business. So what was that conversation like trying to, you know, get her to do, you know, be involved in it? So the thing is, she was because we weren't we hadn't had a nine to five in three years. So her argument was kind of like, you know, 
I've been running my shoe business for three years. Like I know how to talk to customers, customers are customers. So I was just kind of explaining like, no, like it's, it's not, you know what I mean? Like customers and guests are two different things. Like we're held to a much higher standard in hospitality. And, you know, I just had to convince her or just kind of let her know that like, there's a lot of things that we don't know. And I don't like getting in this stuff that I don't know how to do. You know what I mean? Cause like you, we can lose a lot of money that way. And we've lost money in the past just being, ignorant you know what i mean so once i explained that to her she agreed yeah and that's dope piggybacking off that piggybacking off that i have a question too um because you guys have built you built what you've built together so my question to you is how important is it to have a spouse uh someone who's your partner who who's willing to get into the mud and build with you like how important has that been for your business very important because my wife will tell me things that like my partners wouldn't, you know what I mean? And, and, and vice versa. So like we have the luxury of being blunt with each other. We have the luxury of just telling her how it is. And sometimes it's best to hear, you know, the, the God's honest truth, you know, from somebody instead of, you know, somebody feeling like, you know, I don't want to step on his toes or I don't want to rub him the wrong way by saying something. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's dope. Yeah, like that. You got all the hacks. Like, my man is the, the walking human cheat code over here. You know, Quincy on Q over here is the walking <laughs> cheat code. He, he, get, he get it all right. Yeah. Like, I made the mistakes. Yeah. I, I lost a lot of money. But, you know, me and my wife, you know, we, we sit down, we talk to each other, we say what it is. And then that, that helped us get ahead. So, you really, like, you really getting way further ahead because you, you, you really heeding all the advice that. You know the the cliche advice that people give. You heating all of it, so right. I'm you know, kudos to you because you 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 yeah. way better than me. <laughs> Listen, the fact, that, the fact the fact that you're willing you're willing to take a job within the space of something you're trying to build that's a cheat code, right? I mean, you learning customer service, all that's a cheat code. But then, you know, um, having a partner. And someone that's building your empire with you and that's blunt with you, that's another cheat code. So you got all the cheat codes, man. So um, now now that you've worked there, got your experience, what was it like finally opening up, uh, you know, your hospitality business? How was that? It was just like going to work. I mean, I, I mean, I got a quick little story. So like the first the first week of me working at the uh, Great Wolf Lodge, like there was a it's a funny story. Well, I mean, it wasn't funny at the time, but it's funny now. So <laughs> I got um like I, after I was done training. Uh, I was told to like, whenever there's like a noise complaint or if, if anyone has issues at the Great Wolf Lodge, they call for security. So I'm always the face of the company when I go to these people's door. So my first week on the job, I knock on the door and a lady was just like, uh, she was, she was upset because there were like socks. There was like a, somebody left socks in a room and I guess the housekeepers didn't clean the socks before they turned the room over and had them um, move into the room. So she was just like screaming and complaining, like, yo, like I paid all this money. Uh, there's there's dirty socks in my room. And I never, I never dealt with that. Like I've never dealt with something that was like not my fault, but like it had to be my fault. You know what I mean? Because I'm the face of the company. Mm -hmm. So I told her, like, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Or I'm sorry. That's what I said. I said, um, I'm sorry you had to go through that. And she was just like, You're sorry I have to go through that. And she just like, she was just like, I want to speak to your manager. So she was like, no, I want to speak to the general manager. So I was like, all right, so I'm walking back to the general manager's office. And I'm like, yo, like, I'm probably going to get fired. Like, this is probably, like, I probably messed up, like, my first week. So I walked into the manager's office, the general manager's office, and I was like, hey, yo, listen, like, Bill, I messed up. Like, I, I said, this lady had dirty socks in her office, I mean, in her um, room, 
and I told her that, um, like, I'm sorry she had to go to that. And I'm like, like, I'm so, like, I said, I thought that was the right thing to say. You feel me? Because I am sorry. Shit. So he's laughing and he's like, don't worry about it, Quincy. I'll handle it. So I walk out and I'm following him. And he was like, um, what seems to be the problem? And she, you know, screamed the same way she was yelling at me, like, my room was this and that. And the manager was like, what? He was like, what? You had dirty socks in your room? He radios into housekeeping. He was like, get me the man. He said, get me the director of housekeeping, of housekeeping right now. Housekeeper, the director came over here. He said, this lady paid X amount of dollars for a room and she has dirty socks in her room. Get me. She said, get her the, uh, and he upgraded her room. Upgrade her the room. I want dinner on us and I want her to give her a late checkout. And he was like, ma'am, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. You spent way too much money to be treated like that. <laughs> I remember sitting back, like, after he did all that, like, she was like, wow. Like, she, it, it was just a total switch. She was just, like, happy. She, everything changed. And I just remember thinking, like, that's why they pay him more than me. Yeah. <laughs> right there. And it made me learn. I learned that overcorrecting is is essential, very essential in housekeeping. And I use that now. Anytime there's a, a mistake or anything that had to do with my Airbnb, I'm offering pizza. I'm offering late checkouts. If the, if I don't have a booking for the next day, I'm offering an extra day. And that's what got us super host status in 90 days. 90 days, super host. Okay, overcorrecting is essential. I like that. That's that's a bar. I got to write that down. I mean, overcorrecting that's, that's is real essential. life, though, because this is something that we talk about. People will remember how you treat them more than what you did for them. People right. will remember that every single how you time. Made them feel. Yeah, how you made them feel, like how you treat them, how you make them feel. So overcorrecting is like, okay, I I, I understand how you feel, and I'm going to make you feel better. Like, all right, I'm going to give you something that makes you feel better. And so, right. you know yeah. what I mean? That is that is one of the, like you said, it's essential to any, you know, that's essential to any business, but especially in a hospitality yeah. business. Overcorrecting is essential. That's a bar. So listen, um, so when you started George, you said it was just like going to work, right? It was you said it was just like you were going to work. Um, and you know, so I, it was a success. So now you have your Airbnb, it's up and running. Um, how do you start to now get into more real estate investing and using some of these advanced strategies that you're currently using? After you had the one property and it's up and running, what was the next step to get you to, you know, buy some more properties? So the next step was um, my credit had taken a hit while we were doing there because I was doing I was maxing out all of my credit cards and everything just with the renovations and spending more money and stuff like that. So like my credit had taken a hit and I knew that I couldn't qualify for another loan and I knew that I couldn't have you know I, I couldn't come up with 20 percent at that time. So I was just looking for ways to invest in real estate where um there's no credit. So I was Googling like, you know, investing in real estate with no credit. And I got, you know, wholesaling and all that stuff. And then I came across a YouTube video that said uh, subject to investing and like taking over people's mortgages. So I was intrigued by that. And I'm watching videos and like whenever I'm whenever I want to learn something, I just like binge watch YouTube videos. So at that time, I was delivering. Um, I, I wasn't working at Great Wolf Lodge anymore. After once once I started, um, once we were like a year into the Airbnb, I stopped working at Great Wolf Lodge, and I was um, just basically using that time to just keep learning. So like I was looking at YouTube videos on like YouTube. I mean on uh, for like Subject Two, and I watched like every video on Subject Two investing to the point where like I felt like I knew how to do it twenty four seven because I could just mm -hmm. that's that all I listened to. You know what I mean? Like anywhere from 
10 to 15 hours worth of videos every single day. So once I figured out how to do it, I was like, all right, now it's time to execute. So I reached out to this guy on YouTube, um, Chris Haskins, and he did like, he's like the subject to guy. So like I bought a few of his courses, I got him on the phone and everything, and I was ready to do subject two. So I started um, sending out mailers and stuff like that. And I found a lady who was willing to do the, um, who was basically willing to give me her house. And mm -hmm. it was so good that I, um, it was so good that I was, that I had the knowledge basically like downloaded in my brain because she was asking me a bunch of questions and I already knew the answers to it because I was doing all of the research before I called her. Mm -hmm. So I ended up closing that deal and that was my first real estate deal. And that was just kind of eye opening for me. Like, oh my God, like this deal took maybe, maybe a month and I didn't. And well, this deal, I came out of pocket because I was doing what you were doing. I was actually yeah. funding the deal. And then I was just thinking like, yo, like, how can I do this and not make and, and not have to come out of pocket? And then that's when I just kind of streamlined the business by using my, my, um, back end buyers to fund the funding, uh, cost to buy the house yeah so um when i was talking to uh, q offline we were talking about the subject to strategy um and and subject two is when you're buying a property subject to an existing mortgage and I, I gave him an example of a deal i did where someone was behind in their mortgage i paid to get the mortgage caught up and they they signed the property over to me so now there's still a mortgage there still in their name i'm paying the mortgage but i own the property and it's a way to help someone get out of a bad situation. I've done that. So what Q was telling me is he's taking it a step further where he doesn't even have to come out of pocket for that upfront money. So just to give you an example to make the math easy, someone might be behind, behind in their mortgage and owe 15 grand. What I would do is come up with that 15 grand. You know what I mean? So what he's saying is he figured out a way to use back-end buyers to put that money up for him. So you're literally, you know, um, when you do that, are you then selling that back end buyer the property and taking a piece for you, like a couple thousand dollars for yourself? Or how are you structuring the deal that way? Explain, go from that part and explain us how you actually would structure a deal. So when I have a property, what I call under contract, I'll say, okay, this person owes, let's say 15 grand. What I'll do is I'll tell them, I'll put in the agreement of sale that I have 60 days to come up with the 15 grand. So during those 60 days, I'm marketing the property so I'm marketing the property 25 grand down owner financing. And I tell the lady, listen, like, you know, I have a few partners who want to buy the property who are, I'm sorry, I have a few partners who are partnering in on this deal with me. So they want to come in and take a look at the property and everything to make sure that everything is sound. And they say, okay. So I'm running buyers in and out of these people's houses and they say, Hey, listen, this is what I want. I can definitely put down 25 grand or $30,000. So I'll sign an agreement to sell with them, take an earnest money deposit, and then when it's time to close the deal, I reach out to my attorney. My attorney will have these back-end buyers write a check to his title company. And then the title company will then, it's almost like a double closing in a way, but the title company would then write the check to the seller. And then the seller would deed me the property. And then I'm not deeding these end buyers the property. They're in my agreement of sale. I'm holding on to title until they make their 20-year payment. Oh, so you're acting as the bank, essentially. She's deeding exactly. you the property and they're paying you. Exactly. So I'm the bank. And obviously I'm making more. If the lady's payment's a thousand, I'm making 1500 for the next 20 years. So I'll make 500 bucks okay, for so the next 20 years. 
That right there yeah. is yeah. absolutely fire. My man got that's all the hats. Up. Jesus. Yeah. That's Jesus. that's Jesus. that's next level. Cause I, I I never thought to do that. Like so that's that's combining wholesaling. That's almost combining wholesaling with subject two. It's like it's almost it's like damn near a hybrid. Um. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like a hybrid. <laughs> like, yeah, like, so I've never done that. Like mind blowing, right? Your tracks a little bit, like dang, that's kind of yeah, yeah. Have you ran into any issues with banks and stuff like that with subject two? Now I haven't, right? So I haven't done one in a couple of years. But what I will say is this: um, the reason I haven't is because I was making the payments. Now, one time I did get contacted by a bank um, to say that, hey, we see that um, you know there was a new. Uh, a deed recorded and we we hold a lien on this property and you know i kind of talked to them and, and explained the situation and it was fine um but i've never gotten in trouble now i do know that of other people that have gotten you know um their mortgages called and but anybody i know that's had that problem is because either they were late or missed the payment um had in my experience at least yeah my experience at least is when the payment's there or early or on time a lot of times you don't get bothered so how about you you said you've had a situation where the bank contacted you Two situations. Well, one, I got sued. I got sued by a buyer. Um, I'll go into that first because it kind of led into the issue that I had with the bank. So a buyer from uh, this was a New Jersey property, a buyer. Um, she she realized that, like, I guess she didn't understand fully that me taking over the loan means that the loan will remain in her name. So she thought that since the loan still remained in her name, that she can still stay at the property. So like she moved out, but then she broke back into the property and then took me to court and said that I, that what I did was fraudulent and that the loan was still in her name. I ended up winning that lawsuit. I countersued her for $30,000 and won. And the judge sided with me and um, she ended up filing for bankruptcy. Now the bankruptcy is what, made the uh, banks kind of reach out to me because then they had to do a title search and they found out that I was the owner and they called me and was mm -hmm. like, you know, you can't do this. You know, we don't have a, we don't have a borrower anymore because she filed for bankruptcy and um, we're going to end up, you know, foreclosing on the property. So I spoke to numerous like corporate executives, like, listen, this is what I do. The payments have been made on time. Like, you know, like what's the problem if I'm making your payments, then what's the issue? And they were like, well, the only issue is just that, you know, we um we need someone to like, they were like, you know, we can refinance it to you. We could have you assume the loan. I'm like, no, I don't want to do any of that. Like, I want to just keep making the payment. <laughs> and they were like, well, you can't. And I said, okay, well, tell you what. I said, when you foreclose, when you serve me a notice of default, I'm not going to make any more payments. I'm going to take out everything that I put into that property and my attorneys are going to drag this out and litigate this for at least two years. And then if we lose, I'll buy it as a short sale since that's what you guys are going to do anyway. This was a year ago. They have not served me a notice of default. But you've been continuing to make the payment. I still make my payments, but they stay, they've yeah. never served me a notice of default. I'm still waiting on it. Yeah, see, that's dope. So <laughs> now, in, in that situation, I never had nothing like that either. But I have um, done something like this in the past and then refile with my credit union so contact the credit union refine get them off of it all together i've done that um just because at that point like a lot of times what i'll do is i want to be able to borrow more especially if it goes up in value 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a property goes up in value and I want to take something out of it. I'll refi the whole thing because now I'm the owner of the property. But I, I just think that like the way you put that whole play together is fire. Like that's, that's powerful because if you're able to do that kind of um, system, which is why systems are important. A lot of times, uh, me and Corey talk about this often, having a system is more important than working hard. Everybody want to outwork mm-hmm. each other. But if you sit down and f- put together a system, it's more powerful because you have a system where you really don't even need any money. All you need is to find the lead. <coughs> I um, I have a so, vice, I have a vice president of a bank that like gives me leads now, because he um the first property that I ever did a subject two deal on, um the vice president of the bank called me because it was cool, crazy because like I was you know it felt like everything was like in slow motion just just doing it because I've never done this before, so like when I came into the bank and I had a check for it was only like five grand or something like that to get the loan reinstated. Um, the vice president, they took the bank, they took the check and they cashed it and asked for my name and phone number. And then they called me, the vice president called me and was just like, Hey, like, what is this? Like, what's going on? And I was just like, like, he was basically asking like, who am I? Like, I see that you're, you know, taking over the the property. And I said, listen, you know, this lady is just a client of mine. You know what I mean? Like I help her, I assist her with making her payments. That's it. He said, okay, no problem. Listen, he said, if you have any issues, you call me directly. I understand what you're doing and we're not going to have any issues because, he explained it to me. He said, the thing is, we have what's called a performing loan list and a non-performing loan list. And he said, we need as many performing loans as possible. So for you to take a non-performing loan and turn it into a performing loan, you're essentially creating an asset for the bank. So there, it makes no sense. He said, it makes absolutely no sense for us to call a note due or accelerate a mortgage payment when you are you know, you're basically creating a, an asset for us. And then all that's going to happen is if you end up defaulting, we're going to end up selling this property for a fraction of what we lended it in the first place. So, and that's, he's that's the only of it. Hmm? But that, that's, that's what I was saying when I said the only time I've ever seen someone um, get their loan called is when they were late or missed a payment, right? As long as they make their payment, you, you're, you're doing the bank a favor, like, because. Right. The way they run their business and what they're able to borrow and do like depends upon having those performing loans. So, I, like I said, as long as you make the payments, I've the only time I've seen that happen is when someone like missed a payment or, yeah. So, my question is, uh, so now you now you figured this hack out and now now you're buying properties and that's even crazier because all you're doing is literally becoming the bank. You don't even have to fill it with tenants or nothing, right? No tenants. These are my tenant buyers. Yeah, you don't even need tenants. <laughs> I mean, yo, I want to be you when I grow up. Man, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I'm out of the landlord business. I'm in the bank business. You know what I oh, mean? Yo, properties take the whole stop. I need you to say that one more time real <laughs> close. You said, I'm out of the landlord business and I'm into the bank business. Say that, say that for my audience one more right. time, man. I'm no longer in. The landlord business. I'm strictly in the business of banking. That's what, I do. That's what I'm talking about. I'm getting people on these properties. Because see, the thing is, especially this whole pandemic was the best thing that ever happened because everybody paying me their pandemic money. I'm getting all kinds of $25,000 down, $30,000 down, $40,000. Like everybody's giving me their pandemic money to buy these houses. And there's more people who can't qualify for a, tra- a traditional mortgage than there are people who can. So it's a mm. huge business for people like me who have these properties and I'm like $30,000 down and they're like, okay, yeah, cool. Definitely. Give me the $30,000. I sit back 
I, I'm since I'm not a landlord no more, I don't got to deal with leaky faucets. I don't got to deal with toilets. I don't got to deal with roofs. If anything happens on that property, it is not my business because I'm just like Wells Fargo. Oh man, <laughs> this is amazing, right? Listen, yeah. uh, as long as I've you been just... in real estate and, and as, as much success as I had, I love learning like new new things, and um, this is awesome. Yeah. This is awesome. So yeah, I, I took myself out the landlord business, and I'm now the bank. So let me ask you this question in terms of um, in terms of being a bank, right? If you have a Mm -hmm. situation where someone is behind or they don't pay on time, how do you handle that piece? Listen, um, worst case scenario, I make more money. So if I end up having to get these people out in Pennsylvania, I can get them out in 30 days. And then I ask somebody else for another thirty thousand dollars down. Okay. Yeah. So, so long as you have reserves, you can cover it. Like you know, for the original note. For and... most people, yeah. It's it's like so when you give me thirty thousand dollars down, I can pay a whole year's worth of monthly payments so that I'm always a year ahead. So if somebody ends up foreclosing and I get them out in thirty days, even if I got them out in sixty days, once I kick them out and I find someone else that's gonna put down thirty thousand dollars, I'm good. Yeah. Actually, you got to, you come out ahead. Right. Yeah. He said, I hope you they come out ahead. So let me ask you this, right? Um, a majority of your properties now, are they, are they in Pennsylvania? Are they out towards the Poconos or like, you know, um, what part of the state are you doing your business in? Majority Pennsylvania. I ended up doing a property in Virginia and I'm looking to get a property in Tennessee. Now I'm, I'm going to start buying property all over now because I'm starting to just streamline this business. Because every, I'm starting to realize I, I don't even have to really, I don't have to be at these closings. I can do everything online. I can send contracts via DocuSign. Like, I don't ever have to be there. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. So you built up your buyers list where, uh, you know, it, it's easy for you to find someone like pretty fast in terms of, uh, or, or at least your system, maybe not your buyers list, but your system. Once you get something under contract, you don't have a problem exactly. finding a buyer. Right. And since I have the contracts, so like I have like airtight contracts. So whenever I go across the state borders like Virginia, all I have to do is call a real estate attorney in Virginia, say, hey, listen, I'm Quincy Williams. I'm a real estate investor out of Pennsylvania. Can I send you some contracts? And you just, uh, you know, for lack of better words, Virginia fire these contracts so that I can do this in Virginia, too. They say yes. They send it over. That's what they do. And then I close. Man, listen, you you, you figured out the, the ultimate hack, right? Uh, all, all the hacks we talked about, this is the ultimate hack because one of the, um, you know, as someone who is a landlord, I'm not going to lie, man. I got a call just this past week from a tenant, like, you know, complaining about a screen door and I got it fixed, but it was just irritating. Right. When you when you start making money in different places, tenant calls become more irritating. So you figured out how to avoid that piece and become the bank, because at the end of the day, being the bank is the ultimate goal. Um, I was having a conversation with my real estate partner uh, this past week, and I was telling him that all of the people, all the old heads that that, that we came up under buying real estate in the 80s, um, 90s, what have you, all of them have transitioned into um, lending, all right? They've become hard money lenders. And so in speaking to them, a lot of them realize that's the ultimate thing is to be the bank, not to be out there swinging nails, not to be out there collecting rents, and, and, and it's just to take your money and make money and keep doing that. So congratulations to you, man, for figuring that piece out. I mean, that's a long way. 
that's a long way from selling shoes on Etsy, man. Like that's <laughs> that's fire. Like your, yeah, your, your whole story, your, your whole story is fire, man. So let me ask you this question: Along your journey, right, from going mm-hmm. from um, you know, someone who wanted to play football to uh to the Etsy days or what have you, what is the biggest hurdle out of all those? I mean, you've given us an amazing story, but what is your biggest hurdle? I think the biggest hurdle for me was honestly, I would probably just have to go back to the taxes because like that was that kind of sidelined me, you know what I mean? And it, it kind of, I didn't realize that I was kind of like, I had the right mentality, but I was in a, I was in the wrong lane. You know what I mean? Because like in real estate, I can buy up as much property as possible and I get rewarded for that. I get tax credits. I get depreciation. I get all of these perks when I'm hustling. But when I was doing shoes, the more money I made, the more money they took. You know what I mean? 15% of a hundred thousand. You know I mean, 15,000, if I make 200,000, you know what I mean? Like where yeah, it, yeah. It just, I guess the ignorance was kind of one of the biggest hurdles. Another hurdle was just dealing with the wrong people. Like, I don't think people realize how powerful um, relationships are. And I, I'm guilty of being around people who didn't bring anything to the table but their mouth. And I think that kind of slowed me down a little bit because while I'm sitting here feeding them, it's it's I'm not feeding myself or I'm, I'm taking away and I'm not learning anything. And once I started being around like-minded individuals, I just kind of took off. Yo, that sounds awesome. just like Demetrius. We just had a, another guest that came on recently, and he said the same thing. He said, once I changed my yeah, circle, younger, I changed <laughs> Yes, yeah, y'all in the same like he he uh runs some businesses in Connecticut where he uh and he um and he was like, Yeah, once I changed my circle, everything changed. He was like, it just popped. <laughs> and you just, you know, same thing. Like once you once you get around the right folks. And we had another young brother that does uh credit um on here and he said the same thing, mm-hmm. changed my circle, changed my life. So, you know, we yeah, we that's we're like sensing a, a some common, common thing. themes. Common themes, you know. What I mean, when when you when you change the you know the, the circle of the people around you and get around like-minded people, it gets a lot easier to do the things that you aspire to do. Exactly. So, so Quincy, so Quincy, let me ask you this: What what is it like your favorite book or maybe uh, anything that has inspired you along your journey that helped you get to where you are today? I'd probably say the richest man in Babylon, and I say that because Ooh. I've had a I used to have like a spending problem. And okay. I, I just, you know, I was always, I wasn't really spending my money wisely. And again, that's why, you know, it was good that I have my wife because, you know, my friends don't tell me it. They're just like, oh, you ain't got it. All right. My wife is more like, why don't you have it? I know how much you got. How, why don't you have it? You know what I mean? So like, it made me have to do some self-reflecting. And when I read The Richest Man in Babylon, it just kind of told me or just kind of taught me like how important it is, like budgeting wise and and you know how to spend your money, how to put money aside, and it just it just changed me in terms of like my fine. It just changed me in terms of my finances just by reading that book. Yeah, that's a powerful book. We actually just posted about that recently, um, because that's one of those books that I, I might read like once a year, like that. Who moved my cheese? Because those are very short books, but they're powerful. And what I talked about in our Instagram post was how my lesson from that was to always pay yourself first, because one of the things that you learn from there, just by taking a small piece and putting it away, you know, not that you should go blow your money, but even if you blow your money, every time you put something away, 
that's going to start to work for you. And you build up that pile to the side that'll work for you. And it starts working harder than you. That's when you've got financial freedom. See, a lot of times people look at financial freedom as a number. And it really, and it's about a system, in my opinion, at least it's about time. It's about a system. If I have money that's working harder for me and that can generate what I'll do working, I'm free. My money is working. I don't have to go work. I sent all the old white men out there to work for me, all the former presidents to go work for me. That's my employees. Those are your best employees, by the way. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Q, uh, what's your future look like? What are some of the things that you're trying to get into in terms of real estate or maybe any other business? What, what, is your, what are some of the things you're thinking about for your future? So I want to get into um, helping people who have mental disorders. Just I want to start in, you know, drug addictions and stuff like that. Like I lost an uncle um, a few years back to um, just a drug overdose. And I've always had a heart for that market. And um, I actually bought a commercial building. I bought a commercial building um, a year or so ago, and I was trying to kickstart it off there. But it ended up getting um, pretty much sidelined because, like, I um, it's crazy. I have it on my Instagram. I um, I had to go through like a zoning board to to get the um, to get like a special use permit in order to allow that. And like when I went to that hearing, it was like it was like a lynch mob. Like it, it just so many people showing up. Like not in my backyard. We don't want it here. Who do you think you are? And it was just the first time that I ever, it was so overwhelming, but like it frustrated me because, you know, it opened my eyes to a few things because I should have done a lot more research in that area because it wasn't the best area. And although, although I got my, um, I got denied for like, there was like parking reasons and stuff like that. But like the way they, the way the structure is with a zoning board is they bring up a lot of issues. And a lot of these people, you know, aside from them complaining about them not wanting to hear, they brought up a lot of good points that I was just like, damn, like that was a good point. Like, you know, like like stuff about like fire escapes and how many people to a room. And um, oh, like there was one situation where they were like, yo, like you don't even have we don't even have public transportation. Like, how the hell are you going to have people who don't have jobs or don't, like how are people going to get to and from their jobs? And I'm like, that's a good point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So my future, I want to get back into that and I'm going to need a little bit more money to do. And that's the other thing I realized I'm going to need a lot more money than what I have now to get something like that up and running. Where, where were um, what area was this you were trying to do with this in? This was Northern, like North Scranton. Okay. 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 Got you. Got you. Cause um, zoning boards can be, I know here in Philadelphia um, and I had to go before zoning a couple of times. But it's a little different, man. It's the RCOs like the the, the, the um that you have to deal with, um the community organizations. They be trying to shake you down, like you know, for them to sign off on whatever it is you're trying to build. I've never had anything like that. I can only imagine the backlash. I've had things like trying to take um single family properties to multifamily, and you know, even that was a pain. I hate the zoning process, but trying to do something like that, I can only imagine the kind of like nastiness that'll come to that because people look at like you know um you trying to help folks that are less fortunate. They look at them as like I don't them near me, which is kind of it's kind of messed up in the grand scheme of things. But but anyway, um, that's that's admirable, man. And 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 congratulations for what you've done thus far. And you know, good luck to you in, in getting that done because that's important. And I think is is it's interesting. How old are you, by the way? Twenty seven. Whoa, that's awesome, man. Whoa, twenty seven year old brother, oh, and you're doing all these amazing things, and you're trying to give back, right? So you fit True. the criteria for everything that we're about because. It's not just about making money. Like we don't even care about them per se. 
I mean, we do care about the money, but we don't care about the money. <laughs> so what I'll say is, though, you're you you're building wealth for your family, but you're also looking to uh, help people in the um, community. So I think that's admirable. And, you know, you know give you your followers while you're here. You it's crazy. That's pretty dope. <laughs> it's crazy. I started realizing that, like, when like I don't focus on the money aspect. Like, the money just seems to be the consequences of being of service. Like, you can't have yeah. one without the other. And that's kind of what I know is like, yo, like the more like it's good to be the bank to people, but I'm selling ownership. You know what I mean? So like I'm I'm creating yep. new homeowners by doing this, even though I'm the bank, it's still them being a new homeowner. So like the more homeowners I make, I get rich by default. You know what I mean? It's the side effect. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the crazy part. Right. Because that's that's another hack. Right. You got all the hacks, but that's another hack. The hack is not to focus on the money. Um, the more people you serve, the money is just a byproduct of that, which is what you're saying. Um, but He's that's, good at in, every, on that's in every aspect. Yeah, like you, you're good focus at focusing on, process, on process. Process on the work. Yeah, like yeah, like that's something most people aren't good at focusing on. Like they they focus on the angle instead of the process that will create the angle. Exactly. And so you know what you what you do is you focus on the processes that create the angle that you want. So that's why you're a lot more successful than most people, <laughs> which is. I mean, just plain and simple. Yeah. So, dope. Absolutely so cute, dope. This has been this has been an awesome talk, man. This has been awesome, and I and I hope the people watching this at home have taken value from this. Um, you know, I'll make sure to leave all of your links within the description so people can get in contact with you. I maybe want to pick your brain. Um, first of all, I'm going to pick your brain because you you've opened my eyes up to some things, that I, and I want listen. I like to do different stuff in real estate just to see if like it's possible right because one of the things about um being creative with financing is you can do all kinds of things and this is legal right and it's legal because you're helping someone a lot of times when subject to deals these people are getting ready to go through foreclosure have their credit ruined for like the lord knows how long it's a terrible thing for them actually you know helping them but at the same time you're helping yourself and you're also helping the end buyer they can move on with their life the uh, the previous seller and you know, do whatever it is they want to do. And what I used to do with subject to deals, um, when I but I didn't do what you did. Like I said, I've never done that. So if they were behind fifteen thousand, I would say, look, here's a thousand dollars for you just to go ahead and get started somewhere else. And and then I would pay their loan off, right? And but I own the property, so I would sometimes put money in their pockets. So to try to help them get like all in with their life. But um, I'm sorry, which uh, the way you structured it, man, it's mind blowing. There's another thing that I started doing, and I did this with my last property in Virginia. This lady owed like she mm -hmm. owed twenty. It had to be like twenty grand, and I just felt like yo, like you know, I can. I know I can probably find someone to to give me twenty five grand, but like I just want to figure out a way if I can just, you know, pick, get less money, or I have to pay less money. I had her do a loan modification. She modified her loan, so the month the monthly payments went up probably like fifty bucks, and then I got twenty five thousand dollars down. <laughs> Oh, wow. All right. So <laughs> let me ask you this question. How did you get one in Virginia? Right. So, you you, you know, you're based in the, the, the um, this, you know, the Poconos um, outskirts of uh, in Pennsylvania. And but how did you get one in Virginia? I was on a site called PropStream and I usually just I just search okay. in different states and stuff like that and start making phone calls and everything. And then this lady was um just about the, she was going through a divorce and she just didn't want the property anymore. And the property was, it's on my Instagram. It's so, it was so nice. Like it was so, 
It was like brand new, remodeled, everything. I'm like, yo, I know I can get $25,000, $30,000 off. And she only owned the property for like a year. So it was like a brand new house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here's my question to you. Did you even like go down there and see it or you just did the whole deal from where you are? I did it from where I'm at. I, I had my M buyers go there. So my M buyers went there and was like, hey, listen, I want it. And I said, okay, we started signing contract for remotely. I haven't stepped into that. I didn't step into that property until I owned it. Wow. Dang. That's awesome, man. That's my fire. Man. That's fire. You gotta you gotta change the middle name to the hack. <laughs> Quincy the hack Williams. Yeah. yeah all, the hacks. all the hacks. Yo, shout yeah. the prop stream too. We had did a deal with them, but we never like really really used it. Um, you know, but shout the prop stream anyway. Hack is so getting so cute, man. I, I just want to get hold on. He was he was saying something about that what the hacks are. <laughs> If you can get people to modify their loan, then you can get twenty, thirty thousand dollars for essentially nothing. Because now the loans modify, you'll go from a thousand dollar mortgage to like a one thousand seventy dollar mortgage. But now, you know, I can now keep thirty thousand dollars and I'll still make instead of making five hundred bucks a month, I'll make four fifty a month. But at yeah. least I get the thirty thousand dollars up front that I can then put into another property. Exactly. Oh, and now you have 450. So you got 50 grand sitting in reserve, like in case anything goes wrong or you, you don't even need it. You don't even need that high of a reserve. You take half of that. You can go buy something else. You still got a mm -hmm. cash flow in 450. I mean, think about this, right? If you can cash flow 450, 500, how many of those do you need to replace your income if you're working? Right. You know, let's just yeah. say for argument's sake, you make five grand a month. You, you know what I'm saying? Like all you got to do is replace that five grand. If you're getting 500, you know, you do 10 of them. Wow, that's exactly that's, that's 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 life altering info, yo. Life I got another info. Come on, come on, come on, bring that. Listen, I was about to close the listen. You got more hacks. Tell them. We we here for the hacks. So listen, so for people who are listening who feel like you know what, like my credit is bad, like I can't invest in real estate, I can't do this. What you need to do is find somebody, network with somebody that has good credit. Get yourself an LLC, make you a partner of the LLC, make them a partner of the LLC, and then they can sign the personal guarantee for the loan. And now they can then assign you the LLC. They're essentially, you're, you could essentially clone your friends or clone your whoever has good credit <laughs> and get property. I've done that too. Yo, you beast, yo. Absolute monster, yo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He is crushing the game with all the heck. Yo, I, I gotta give you my phone number, dog. Cause I need when I need the heck, I gotta make a, I gotta make a call, man. You got all the heck. I had Yo. listen, that, one of the buildings that I bought, I didn't have the credit at the time. So I just had a friend who had good credit. I was like, listen, yo, I'll pay you 2500 Just create this LLC for me. Sign the personal guarantee. He said, okay, whatever. He's not even in real estate. He signed for it. I paid him 2500 After the closing, he just signed over the LLC to me. I now own the property since I, since I, I'm sorry, I now own the LLC, which means I now also own the property and I didn't have to qualify with my own credit. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Don't, yo, man. You, 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 yo. The the man. Right, listen, Not even, listen, no, forget the hack. <laughs> the man wins. The man. Yo, listen, I, I'll because we'll be we'll be all day because Queen the hacks, man. I just want to say this, man. Um, make sure you find out what this brother got going on because as you can see, um, he's figured a lot out. He's very very intelligent and he's out here crushing it. So, um, congratulations to you, good brother. Continue to do what you do, man, and and don't lose focus on trying to help others because 
that's important. It's okay to build wealth, but if you're only building it for yourself, then you're not really doing anything. But when you start to spread that out and help other folks, then that's when you're doing good work, man. So continue to do that. Um, much continued success, man. And, you know, we're going to be following in uh, our audience. Hopefully you guys follow Q, what he got going on too, right? Because everybody we show on our um, platform is someone that looks like us that's doing great work. So, you know, imagine if we all work together, we can do amazing things. And that's what it's about is building community. Um, so with that being said, man, um, you know, for myself, my brother, Cora, Quincy, want to say thank you for your time, good brother. Uh, for the folks out there, follow what he's got going on. Continue to follow what he got going on. Share this episode, man. You may have, you may impact someone's life with this episode, so make sure you share it. As we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we shall see you on the next episode. Peace.